Welcome to a special presentation of Sellout Crowd, Conversations with Coach. I'm Bob Stoops, and I'm taking time to talk with my friends and colleagues in the sports world to get caught up and share some stories. But first, I want to say thanks to these sponsors, Rose Hill Builders, First Fidelity Bank, and Louie's Bar and Grill. Today, I'm joined by Joseph Kale Gundy. Okay, Kale, I just introduced you as Joseph Kale Gundy, and I forgot that your your real name, your first name's Joseph, because the whole world and I only know you as Kale. Talk talk about where that comes from. Well, that that came from mom and dad. Uh, mom was the one that came up with Joseph, and, and my dad's the one that name up came up with Kale. And um, Kale Bob is is I was named after Kale Yarborough, the race car okay. driver. You know, and, and <laughs> obviously back then. You know, Kale was very popular in sports of of, of NASCAR yeah. racing, and there wasn't a lot of Kales running around. Uh, there happens to be quite a few more nowadays running around because it's kind of a different <laughs> name. Uh, but no, Joseph uh, Joseph is my my first name. I go by Kale, but uh, typically only time I hear Joseph Bob is when I'm in trouble, and it comes from <laughs> my family a lot of times. So, and my mom, it was always joseph kale and i knew something was coming after that I, I i knew i did something so my mind started spinning trying to think of what it was all right well for the everybody out there kale gundy of course a sooner quarterback from 99 to 93 also people don't realize we'll get into this you played baseball as well but let's start growing up in midwest city a midwest city bombers right you were a bomber yeah. That's right. That's right. I know, and, and you get in trouble up in Midwest City now. That's where you hear <laughs> Joseph Kale talk. Talk about growing up in Midwest City, and then uh, and then move into you're a young guy and Coach Switzer, and people are starting to recruit your brother Mike, of course, the head coach at Oklahoma yeah. State. Yeah. So so Midwest City, Bob. When we uh, Midwest City's kind of known nowadays for Tinker Air Force Base. Uh, which is a large, one of the largest Air Force bases in, in the country. But um, Middle City was a, a dominating uh, athletic town. I mean, we, we were good in everything. We won state championships in wrestling, football, baseball, great little league sports, uh, played on a lot of World Series teams. My brother played in the Little League World Series. I played the Little League World Series. We were really, really good. We, we had a special community, uh, and we were very, very close. So I kind of get a hall pass. I, I think if anything goes down in Middle City and I get pulled over, I, I people got my back in that town. It's pretty good. But uh, but no, Coach. We you know we grew up in Middle City, and and like a lot of people in the state, we're diehard Sooner fans, and my whole family was, yep. and uh, even you know even my brother and when my and brother Mike, start and Mike also wrestled. Right? People probably don't yep. know that Mike was a heck of a wrestler, right? Yeah. Yes. Middle City is tremendously known for wrestling. Uh, we were very close with the Smith family. John yeah. Smith is the head coach at Oklahoma State. Uh, he's a year above my brother Pat, uh, who was the first four-time NCAA wrestling champion. Um, uh, was a year above me, and we traveled all over the country. My brother was pretty good. He was a junior national champion, and we both wrestled all the way up through junior high. And wow. um, I, I had to get out of it, Bob. It, you know, we, we knew that we knew that we were going to go into football and baseball, so we couldn't pull any weights. And you know, we got tired of going over to the holodome with our sweatsuits and tag taping our wrists. And you know, Bob, you're from, you're from Iowa, you know, so you know everything. I know all about, about the wrestlers, no doubt. Uh, but no, my, you know, we were a big Sooner family. Um, but when my brother was being recruited, um, one of his last visits, I think his fourth visit was to OU and Coach Switzer and and. Uh, it was a Sunday, and you know, back then, Bob, 
you know, families didn't go on visits. It was just the boy. It was just the, the football player himself. Right. And uh, so Mike gets home that Sunday afternoon about five or six o'clock. And, um, you know, he comes in and we're all in one living room because that was the only living room that had a TV in the house. You know, back then you only had one TV. So mom and dad and me are in there. And and uh, he, he seemed to be in good spirits, but he wasn't excited. But he said he committed, but he said Barry wouldn't let him out of the office for like two hours until he did commit. And so, <laughs> so coach kept him in the office for a while. He, he got him committed. But the next weekend, Mike went to OSU, took a visit up there and, and um, came home that Sunday and we were sitting in that living room and he comes in there, kind of has the same look on his face. And he tells my mom and dad, myself, that uh, he committed Oklahoma State and he's going to go to OSU. And I tell you what, I, I think I cried for three weeks. I thought the world was coming to an end. You know, I just couldn't imagine uh, because we were <laughs> diehard Sooner fans. Yeah. Uh, but obviously it turned out very good for him and it was the best decision for him. You know, there was no way. Mike in, in, in 85 was going to go down and beat out a Jamel Holloway who just won a national championship as a true freshman and a Charles Thompson down there and Eric Mitchell and those guys. So different um, style of offense than Mike being a passer, different, different style, different style. But I tell you, coach, I, I had the greatest times, you know, when, when those coaches would come and recruit my brother, I was an eighth grader when my brother was a senior and I, I can still remember Barry Switzer, coming in our house two different times and he's got a full length beaver coat on all the way down to the <laughs> ground. And, uh, of course, you know, of course that's coach. And obviously he spent most of the time with my mom in the kitchen and, um, with, with coach Switzer was Bobby Proctor. Who's a longtime great defensive back coach and a, a, a familiar name in the state of Oklahoma. Great uh, guy. Jim, great Jim, Donnan, yeah. Jim Donnan was the offensive coordinator. Um, you know, so, a lot, of, a lot of great memories in those times and, uh, you know, special moments. Well, you, you uh, played 99 to 93 and, uh, I mean, uh, 90 to 93, yeah. you know, uh, for Gary Gibbs. Mm-hmm. And talk about him trying to move to the passing offense as opposed to, you know, uh, after Coach Switzer leaving the wishbone and how that was a little bit of a process for him. Plus, you were on probation your first couple of years. Yeah, yeah, it was. So so Coach Switzer had resigned in the spring of 89, and uh, Gary Gibbs, the defense coordinator, had taken over. And and Gary wanted to transition into more of a, a passing offense, you know, and that was – there wasn't a lot of them back then, you know. Uh, BYU, my brother really pushed me to try to go to BYU. They were throwing the ball. You remember the Detmers and, 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 yeah. and Lavelle Edwards up there. Um, but – Gary really wanted to make the change from running the wishbone to, to more of a passing style offense. And, and it was a challenge, you know, our first two years we were on probation, but Bob, I'm telling you what, I, I, in as many great teams that we had down there, I mean, the talent that was stockpiled at OU, my first two years in 1991 <laughs> from all those Barry Switzer's 87, 88, 89 recruiting classes. I mean, they were deep. We had seven running backs that could play for anybody in the country. I mean, we had outside linebackers, defensive tackles, linebackers. Right. I mean, it, it was absolutely crazy. Um, but anyways, I, my, my freshman year, I ended up – I played in all every game. I ended up becoming the starter after my fifth game. So my sixth game of my senior year, I became the starter. And um, we went eight and three. We were first-year probation, couldn't go to a bowl game. We beat Nebraska the last – game of the wow, season good. 45 to 10 I think I mean we really got after him pretty good had a great day there uh in Norman but um it was just it was a real big transition for two or three years trying to 
your offensive linemen who you've been recruiting are true run blocking guys and to try to develop them into pass protecting guys and, and, right. uh, you know, it's trying tough. to get re- true receivers in there instead of running backs you are moving out there or DBs who you're moving over or quarterbacks who you're moving out there to play wide receiver. Uh, yeah. but we, fi- we finally got it. It took a little time. Um, and it helped with, um, Larry Coker was my offensive coordinator, quarterback coach. He was also my brothers at the beginning, but we, my senior year, Watson Brown came in and uh, was a great offensive mind, great offensive coordinator, and really changed our offense. And I think really made the big push and really helped OU kind of get over the hump with the throwing right. throwing the football. Talk about you're a baseball player all four years or just three of the years? Maybe your senior year you didn't play? No, my I, I didn't play. So my first year in college, uh, since I became the starting quarterback halfway through the season, I felt obligated I needed to be in spring ball. So right. I don't I don't play baseball. The next year I play baseball. My third year we struggle in football, so I felt obligated I needed as a quarterback to be in spring ball. Well, the, that sophomore year that we that I played baseball, we went to the College World Series. Okay, and, uh, yeah. had a great season. What and positions my, were your were, were your specialty? I was I was a pitcher in college. I'm now in, in growing up. I was a shortstop uh, and a pitcher, and it, it was you know, easy to do both. I, I didn't feel like I really truly had enough time um, after football sure. to become a good hitter. So I just decided to stay as a pitcher. But my junior year, we didn't we didn't have a good year football-wise. So I, I decided, well, I need to go back to spring ball. Well, they go back to the World Series and they win the World Series. Oh, you won the World Series that year. Right. So, uh, but um, yeah, you know, it, it was, uh, grew, grew up just again, I'm the youngest of three. My sister was the oldest and just, you know, grew up traveling all over the country right. with my brother and my sister being dragged around the ballparks everywhere. That's great. Now, you, you mentioned Watson Brown comes in your senior year and then he becomes the head coach at UAB and that's where you start. You're a graduate assistant for one year at Oklahoma right when you graduated, but then Watson Brown hires you to start your full-time coaching career. You were at, you were at UAB with him for yeah. four or five years? Four, four years, Bob. And then, and then I, I hire you. Now, I remember dealing with you at Oklahoma when I was the co-defensive coordinator with Jim Levitt at Kansas State, yeah. and uh, you were tough to play against. So I remember thinking when I got the job, I knew you were at UAB, and I'm like, this is an Oklahoma guy. I got to get him back. And you come on staff with me December of 98. We're chasing our tail recruiting. But talk about we – I know you and I just had Coach Mangino on a, a little bit ago. But talk about those a little bit real quick, those fun times in 99 when we were just getting it started. Well, I tell you, you know, Coach, like you said, I, I was hired by Watson. Um, I was 23 years old. So – uh, my wife, Christy, and, and we just had our child, Casey, and moved to Birmingham and lived in Hoover and Pelham and absolutely had four great years and was around a lot of great coaches down there. Had a chance to kind of get, kind of learn a little bit about it, the SEC down there, living in Alabama, you know. Um, right. And I tell you this, you know, I don't know if college football is the biggest thing because NASCAR down there is pretty big also. <laughs> yeah, that's but right. Yeah. Anyways, you know, you hired me in December 98, uh, four years after I was at UAB, and it was a, it was a blessing. And, uh, you know, I, I look back on that time, Bob. We were so young, and we were oh, all yeah. – we were all hey, – Even I was young. <laughs> I know. You were I was 30, 38. <laughs> 38 years old. So we were so we – we were competitive as all get out. 
I mean, we had fire and I mean, you know, we worked our butts off and, you know, we, we found a great group of players here that were really hungry at Oklahoma that wanted to, wanted to be coached and, and wanted right. to be helped and to be led. And in that group of players, we found some guys that turned out to be unbelievable leaders that helped us in the times that we weren't with our players. So special times, uh, obviously, you know, the first year we go to the, the bowl game in, in Shreveport. And, uh, I mean, we could sit here and tell stories about, you know, the hotel we stayed in. I think we stayed in a Holiday Inn, you know. We did. <laughs> talked, we talked about our host that was down there uh, the other day. Famous you, Amos, you, wonderful famous, guy. Famous, famous Amos. Famous you, me, and Maddie. And, and, you know, Bob, we stayed in a Holiday Inn, and you'd have thought we'd have stayed in the Waldorf in New York City. We could care, <laughs> we could care less. We just knew we had another game to play in, and our players were excited. Uh, the fans of Oklahoma were excited, and um, even though we lost the last minute to a field goal to Ole Miss at that game, it really propelled us to what you did and, and what we did as a, as a team there at Oklahoma in the next several years. Talk about, you know, uh, we could, you know, you're with me all 18 years that I was here and uh, with too many stories to tell there, but talk about how special we hit it in the 2000 year. And I know you said it, a bunch of guys that were tired of getting beat up or tired of losing and made a decision they were going to win. And uh, and then we we kind of knew it mid-year, like, hey, we're pretty good. Well, it was a perfect combination. It was a perfect storm because obviously with your background being at Kansas State and the Florida, your success as a defensive coordinator and then bringing in your brother Mike and Brent, uh, from Kansas State and what turned that program around, maybe one of the all-time greatest turnarounds in all of college football and maybe in all of sports uh, and being so, um, you know, just 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 so dominant on the defensive side. And then you making a decision to bring in Mike Leach, you right. know, and, and bring in that spread offense that wasn't out there. It was just a few teams that were that that had this style of offense. And you brought in this guy, Mike Leach, uh, who we love to death and we, we miss. And obviously we lost him, you know, here a year ago, but absolutely, um, yeah. he, he was, uh, he was a mastermind, you know, and uh, lear- learned the system under how mummy. And um, he had his beliefs in how to spread that ball around. And, and you look around college football today, everybody's doing it. Everybody's lining them up from the sideline to sideline and seeing if you can tackle these, these five little guys in space. And, and nowadays they don't have to be, Six four, two hundred ten pound receivers. As long as they're fast and quick, and one guy can't make a tackle, that puts you in a bind. And uh, we had some of those guys. We had some very good skill players, and uh, and to, and to to hit it off is we had a quarterback. We had a guy that believed in Josh Heupel, and uh, I mean he made everybody believe. I I know we had that conversation the first you know the first day we got back together in August in our team meeting, and he got up and spoke. You had him get up and speak, and. You know, he spoke about why can't we win every single game? Why can't we win a Big Eight championship? Why can't we win a national championship? I mean, why can't we? And he was dead serious. And I think right. it was a really the truly the first time everybody kind of looked around and was like, I mean, why can't we? You know, and uh, special season, a lot of special players. Um, but there was a burning desire from that team to win uh, because – they hadn't been in the last really two or three years. Now we did the year before won some big games and they, they had a great taste of it. And, uh, but you know, that was not the quite rest to the standards, history. not quite to the standards though, that we kept watching of all the great Switzer years 
oh. all the championship seasons, all the great All-Americans. And I remember telling the players, now, look, it didn't ju- I want you. This is who we were supposed to be. This is who we are. This is Oklahoma. This is our standard. These great players, great All-Americans. And I remember also chiming in. I said, it isn't just you players that got to live up to this. I got to live up to it. That's right. I walk into Barry Switzer Center and I go by Bud Wilkinson's record records and, and Barry Switzer's records through the years and the, the six national championships between them. I said, that's my standard, too, that I got to live up to. Yeah. And and we, we all did for sure, you know, uh, you know, from from that year on. You, you always did a great job, Bob, of, of throughout the course of not only the season, but the whole year. You would just pop in and you would you would show a, a, a minute video of, of a Brian Bosworth, of a Tony Casillas, of a Joe Washington, you know, of a Greg Pruitt, of a Steve Owens. And because when you're young, you know, Bob, those players, they sit in there, they all think they're the best player in the country, you know. And then and then you throw on a film, a video of some of the past players there, and everybody's eyes get about that big. And you're like, holy cow, that dude's unbelievable. And, and wow. you know, we're, we – that that place yeah. that place has got as many great players as any any team and ever played in the history of college football. It's deep, Ab- it's very absolutely. deep. absolutely. And I I can remember saying, "You think this program's all about you, and that, that that it's only you that that matters here, or that you're the best thing to come through 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 these doors?" And we'd show them those tapes, and all like you said, man, their eyes would be like, "Oh man," and and it was on and on and on with so many of our great players, but uh. Let's talk about now, uh, again, we had a great run. I always appreciated your, you know, that you were recruiting coordinator on top of running backs uh, coach for umpteen years. And then late in my career, I moved you to receivers because I thought it would really benefit you in, in being able to take over, be passing game coordinator, those kind of things. And, you know, you were the coordinator through the bowl game when I came back for, for the month. and. Um, and uh, did a, did an incredible job and great loyalty to OU and everything that you've done. Let's talk about now the, you know, just the state of the, I don't want to say Oklahoma, but the state of college football and where it's at now with, to me, they're tied together, the transfer portal. Yeah. And now it isn't just a one-time transfer. You transfer any year, anytime you want. And NIL money, which name, image, and likeness, when it was originally put in, I think it was supposed to be for guys who, if you're selling their jersey, they get a at a store, they get a certain percentage of it, or it doesn't go to university, it goes to the players. But now I believe the NIL is basically pay, uh, and it's part of recruiting, and it's part of the transfer portal. Um, it, would you? How do you? How do you see that? Uh, it's I. <laughs> I'm glad I'm outside of it like you are right now, and I'm glad I don't have to deal with it. You know, it it, it is a major challenge, and and obviously Bob, you know, still living in here, uh, living close to the university. You know, we we see our coaching buddies, guys that work for you, Bill Beanbows and Demarcos and Seth and Joe John. We see those guys around town all the time, and I mean, you can engage in a conversation with them, and one of the first things they talk about is is the transfer portal, is the NIL. I mean, you don't even have to ask it about them. I mean, they immediately just bring it up. Um, I, it's just a challenge. You know, obviously, we opened the floodgates. We, we could have we corralled it. In, 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 um, you ten know, years the, ago. Yeah, 10 years ago, and we could have started, you know, hey, we're, we're going to give a stipend to every, every student athlete, 
everybody gets a thousand dollars a month in, in your bank account. We could have done that for everybody. And, and you know, that at, at every football player in America would have been happy getting a thousand dollars in their bank account, September, October, November, December, just that. Now, nowadays it's just opened up and you know, it, it's, everybody's trying to get what they can and you know, you can't blame them. I mean, I, I would want to, as a player, uh, if I, my son was playing, I would want my son to be getting everything that he could possibly get right now. Uh, I just, I, I'm concerned with it because it's just everybody's got their hand out and everybody wants something. And how do you pay, you know, that you, there's going to be some problems inside the locker room when I think the universities start controlling it and start handing out money because now you're going to be saying, you're going to be sitting here and you're going to be talking to the guy next to you. Well, he's getting, you know, 175000 Well, you're only getting 50000 you know, and the guy right. on the other side of you, he's getting he's getting sixty five thousand. You know, so it's it's they're going to have to have a group. They're going to have to have um, every university in America is going to have to have their own office up there, and that's what they do. They they well, they handle all of that stuff. What I believe it is what you're saying, and what I uh, my belief is, it's now a pro model, but mm-hmm. we're behind the eight ball because colleges aren't acting like a pro model. That's right. But you need that. You need to have basically, in my opinion, football, the uh, the Power Fives, what the the top programs need to lead the NCAA, have our own have our own governing body, have our own leagues, and and play whatever you know. What you could stay in the conferences we are, but we're a separate entity, and right. and run it run it like a pro pro uh, football team, and uh, in, yeah. in everything that you're doing, have a commissioner have a governing body, meaning a small, not the NCAA, a small group of that, that really know, you know, the, the state of the college football, have a salary cap, have, you know, basically it's free agency anytime you want right now. You could transfer, take money every year. The, the NFL doesn't operate that way. You know, you, you're, you're there for, for your contract two, three years, and then you renegotiate. Yeah. And they don't have, you don't have guys opting out of bowl games for because you know the transfer portals now so i think the timing of all this is even off you know and nobody's nobody's got put forth whether it be the effort or whatever to figure it out make the transfer portal at a different time of year where it's not right now where you know where guys aren't going to play in bowl games or same same thing with the draft where guys are opting out to go train for the draft i mean it's I've got some kind of thoughts, Bob. I, I always felt like, and you know this, that when you sign out of high school, you have to stay there for two years. To me, that that's a, a great rule. Why is that? Because, because um, you know, if you sign a class of 25 players, realistically, 20 of those 25, they come in their freshman year. They're not really good enough to play. Uh, they may play a little bit here and there, but their whole life they've been the best player in their town, in their league, everywhere. Everybody's told them how great they are. So there's challenges that first year of a lot of guys who have to go on scout team over there and don't play, and you know they they struggle with oh well coach didn't treat me right or I need to be playing. And then you got your people, your family back home that's telling you, hey, you probably should just transfer somewhere else. And you know Bob being in it forever. So many of those players that just stick around and, and they fight through it their first year, they kind That's of get right. over it. They grow and they mature. I've always felt like that they should be there for two years. I think, Bob, 
Um, I think the transfer portal now, the transfer is uh, December 4th through January 2nd. I think you take that transfer portal and you move it on the back of the bowl games. Okay. Right. You move it completely to the back of the bowl games. And another thing to keep these players in of leaving and not playing in the game is if you don't play, if you don't play in your bowl game, if you opt out, you got to pay 10% back of your NIL money. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that I think you know that need to be discussed yep. and 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 implemented. And uh, to my point about you know leaving football, leaving you know the NCAA doing their own thing, and because you know with different set of rules, uh, but because I look at Chip Kelly, I'm gonna steal from yep. Chip. I, I saw an interview with Chip who he made some great points. He says, "Well, Notre Dame's independent; they go play whatever they want." But they're all the other sports play in the ACC, and and that way logistically, and you know for all the travel and whatnot, for instance, we could all our teams could could stay in the Big Twelve, all the other sports, but football, and yeah. we go do our own independent thing with our own independent governing body, yeah. and and that way logistically for all these other sports, it's a lot more manageable. Yeah, and let's face it, the bottom line is football is what's making all the money. So, right. uh, so why at some point, you know, and I, I thought Chip when I when I was uh, seeing his interview, I thought he made some great points about that. Yeah, he, you know, he was he he kind of referred to kind of an NFL model how you break up the divisions right. and everything. And you know, sure. he's the guy. He's the guy who's been in the NFL. You know, he coached in the NFL. Right. You know, so he's he's got a good feel for that. But you could, yeah, you could have your own divisions, and and uh, again, you could still, if you're the West Coast team, UCLA or whoever, you know, you you're you're going to play it you know, half a dozen teams out there. And then, yeah, you can go play two or three teams on the other side of the country, just like NFL teams. Um, anyway, I, I just think that there needs to be a lot more thought and, and push for, for, for more change and to get a little bit better grip on everything that's, that, that's happening right now. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no, I, at- I, I, you know, I, I totally agree. And I, and I think that there's people that are kind of stepping out and talking about those things in it. It seems like to Bob, to me, the the people that kind of have an idea of, and have some good ideas, they all mention some type of an NFL model. Right. Um, you know, well, that's so what it is. More that's and more of those are right starting now. to kind of think like that, and um, and uh, we'll we'll see. Hopefully, we'll get that changed and get this corrected here in the next year or two. Gail, for everybody out there who talk about everyone, you're always again a great sooner. You always been. Uh, you know, a great program guy. Talk about what you're doing now so everybody knows where to find you and things that you're doing. Yeah, so Coach, I've been uh, I've been very fortunate to um, be able to spend some time with uh, Coach Barry Switzer and, and, and um, Mike Henry. Uh, those guys have got a company that's called Coach's Cabana uh, that they have um, kind of allowed me to be a part of and to kind of learn and see what they do. And uh, it's it's been really, really good having a chance to be around Coach Switzer, I mean, he is, I mean, you, you talk about a king now. I mean, he is the absolutely best. You know, he's 86 years old. His mind is as good as anybody's yep. I've ever, ever been around. Uh, so had the opportunity to do that. I've, I'm, I'm doing a little bit in the restaurant business. Um, a good friend of mine who's a owner of um, Roosters uh, Sports Bar and Grill. Yeah, he lives in Tulsa, Austin, man. He has four stores and uh, two of them in Tulsa. He built one at the lake called uh, Grand Lake called the Drunken Rooster. And uh, I, I became good friends with him at the Drunken Rooster. 
<laughs> and and we talked it talked about it, and we've got one in on Main Street called Rooster Sports Bar and Grill, and um, and then we're also a part of some Sooners Access, uh, which is a website that uh, you know that is kind of housing and uh, has a group of former players and coaches, kind of giving you the ins and outs and, and talking about games and opponents and and the players throughout the course of a season. So, at the end of the day, Bob. I, I can start my day when I want, and I can end my day at the, at when I want. And um, I, I'm I'm as happy as could be. Um, you know, I, I've been I've been blessed to be here. I am where I am today because playing football at Oklahoma, regardless of what happened, what that place has done for me and will continue to do for me, and um, it has been very very special. And you've given me opportunity to to join the staff a long time ago. Um, I mean, we we. We did things right. You always did things right. You always told us to, you know, to coach hard, recruit, and, and don't be breaking the damn rules. If you break the rules, I'm going to fire your ass. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, we, we took great pride in that, Bob, of doing things right. And right. Uh, it, it bothers me when I see certain things around the country and guys get away with stuff because you preached it and uh, we always did it right. And, uh, you know, very fortunate for that. Well, you're uh, you, you many times start every year that way as if you're intentionally or cheating, I'm gonna get rid of you. So uh, no, no doubt. But Kale, you're a, a, a Sooner legend and uh, loved by the the Sooner Nation. So uh, it's fun to share some stories here with you and appreciate it. And this won't be the last time we'll we'll be seeing you on. We hear you on the radio every yep. Monday. Yeah. And sometimes Wednesday we get a bonus Gundy Monday right. once in a while. Right. On yeah, the sports forgot, animal. I, I, so I forgot to mention that we do the Gundy Mondays yeah. on the on sports animal and and uh, do some Wednesdays. I think we're going to start doing a little bit more of that. So uh, it's fun, you know. Again, I'm enjoying life. I I put almost 30 years in of coaching, you know, and I still right. I'm still young. Uh, so, but I'm I'm doing some things I've always wanted to do. Uh, but I'm again just I'm I'm blessed. I've got a, a great family. You know, my wife is awesome uh my son and daughter are still around and uh very blessed so so it's, it's good to good to be here in town well that will you do a great job on the radio and uh and everything else you're doing thanks for joining me here for a sellout crowd here today and uh i'll probably go have lunch with you here shortly probably will <laughs> <laughs>